for listening to this episode of Changes Big and Small. This is your host, Damian. Changes Big and Small will help you take action in your life with intention and purpose. In each episode, I invite you to accept unexpected challenges that will help you make progress to live the life that you want. In this episode, I'm chatting with Elliot Ray. Elliot has been recognized by the United Nations for his work on gender equality and was awarded the He for She Award by UN Women UK. He wears many hats, but today we're primarily focusing on his community building work as the founder of the parenting platform, Music Football Fatherhood. Welcome, Elliot, to Changes Big and Small. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Would you mind sharing with us about your friendship life? Friendship life. So my friendship life has evolved over time, actually. When I was younger in school, I had a lot of friends. I, I guess in school, I, I was kind of a bit of a chameleon. So I got on with most people, had something in common with most people in terms of whether that's getting on with people from different races or different classes or different interests. So I was quite flexible. So I had a lot of friends in my younger years. I think at university that carried on as well. Um, had a, a core set of friends at uni, which I think was really important, actually, and really shaped my experience and shaped me going from being a, a boy at school to, to a man. So I really am grateful for the friends that I made at university. I think after university, what I found going into the world of work and growing up and everyone having their own families, maybe people moving to different parts of the world, is that my friendship group got a lot smaller, got a lot smaller. And in my mid-twenties, I spent most of the time working in music. So I was in a band doing producing with my wife. And a lot of my time was consumed with that. And I do remember at one point feeling like I wasn't making an effort with friends enough, actually. And there was one New Year's Eve, it's a good few years ago now, maybe eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, where my New Year's resolution was to make more of an effort with the people, even my friends or the people that I meet that are like-minded. There's a couple of people I had on my list and I, you know, made an effort to, to, to phone them or to arrange stuff and to try and build on those friendships. And I'm lucky now that the work I do, I actually posted about this on LinkedIn this morning, but the work I do now, my work and my hobbies and my friendships collide. So a lot of the stuff that I will do around community events, my friends will come along. So I'm kind of lucky enough now where my work and my friendships are, are, are sometimes one of the same. And also that I get to meet a lot of interesting people through my work and end up sometimes making friends with them as well. So I'm in a lucky place now where I have my old school friends, but I have a good community around me. But also the older I get as well, I really value my own time and really value solitude <laughs> and being with myself. So it's always a balance. It's always a balance between the two. So you have a family, you have a, a young daughter, is it? Yeah, I've got a six-year-old daughter and a wife. If we think about people's abilities to have close relationships, then, of course, the fact that you have a family impacts what your friendship life looks like. So now, where does friendship fit into your priorities? And how do you... Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, this is so interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot and thinking about like in life, we have lots of different areas that we need to nurture. So we have our work and our business. We'll have our friends and our hobbies. We'll have our partner, our family, our health and fitness, life admin. You know, we've all, all these different 
parts of our life and we have to nurture all of them enough and sometimes there's seasons where you have to kind of go in heavy on one but for the course of a year we have to make sure that we're prioritizing each at a right amount to sustain them because if we don't then it can all come falling down for example if we put all of our effort into work and business and neglect our health then we can get sick and we can't work anymore or if we put all of our effort into our family and our partner and we, we neglect our friendships then we can become isolated and lonely and lose a part of who we are but if we put all of our effort into our hobbies we can neglect our our romantic relationship so it's really important for me to find the balance I don't think I have a ranking <laughs> so to speak but I think I do consciously think about making the effort to sustain my friendship groups and understanding the value in that I think maybe a few years ago I was just working so hard and so caught up in you know having a newborn baby and, and work and you don't really have time for friends like I had some friends that I hadn't seen for years mm. you know best friends that I just didn't see for for a couple of years and it wasn't that we'd um, fallen out or anything it was just we're both really busy and so we don't prioritize it but I understand now like being around friends is amazing it's, it's an opportunity where you can get a bit of yourself that maybe isn't so present around work or around family you know so it's really important and I think that that just makes you a better person it makes for better relationships in your family anyway and that's why I think you know those different areas of our life we have to really nurture them all now, some people will use this a circle diagram, like a pie chart kind of thing, and they'll put all the different elements of their life and the percentages, and they'll do it quite calculated around mm-hmm. how much time they spend and, okay, what is the priority in, in this season? Do I need to do more here? And maybe that's something that I will do and just look at my life and say, actually, where do I need to prioritize more? But yeah, I have been thinking about it a lot recently. I think as we get older and as we become definitely as parents, we're super busy and it's very, very easy to not see friends for years and just think where did the time go? Yeah, one thing I find is that doing those types of exercises can reveal things. Like you think something is one way, but then putting it on paper sometimes reveals gaps that you were not actually conscious of. So I always find those to be very interesting. Yeah, they are. If we think about people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, which we're in that range, which is quite broad. I think one thing that comes up is that people are moving into different phases of their life. So maybe instead of having babies, you have children that are school age. Maybe you have a bit more time. Maybe you're not losing as much sleep. Maybe in your 40s, you have even more time. End of your 40s to your 50s, depending on when you had kids. Kids are living home. So you may have different amounts of times to spend to friendship. I think there's kind of two pieces here. One is that even when life is busy, you talked about being able to be yourself and find yourself. That friendship is still important then to be able to be kind of in tune with that self-care element and being who you are. And then also when you get into those areas where you have more space, then there's the issue of reclaiming friendship. And I'm curious how you think about any of that, since you mentioned thinking about friendship recently. Yeah, super interesting. So I was on a TV program the other day in January called Loose Women here in the UK. And I was on for a segment talking about my life. There's a program on ITV, there's generally four women on the panel and they have conversations and they were reflecting that when it comes to divorce and relationships breaking down, in their opinion, they feel like women are a bit more prepared for that because the way that they will design their life while they're with their family with their partner is they will make time generally for their friends 
they will make time to see their their friends and maintain those relationships and maintain not just seeing their friends but the deeper relationships as well so they will have those open conversations with their friends whereas for men we are first of all less likely to maintain friendships when we do it's maybe more activity based like you know going to the football together or you know shoulder to shoulder relationships so we don't have that face to face so when it comes to a relationship breakdown we're more on our own you know we have less people friends to call on that we've maintained relationships with for years you know so you're kind of like starting again or rekindling or finding your place and I, I reflect on that I thought you know what that's probably true to be honest it's probably true even my wife's here and I look at how we are and she is a lot better at making time for her friends and making sure that she maintains that like I'm not terrible at it but she's definitely a lot better and when I look at just people around me I can see that pattern as well so yeah it is important because when we do get older and when we get more time for ourselves you know kids leave home or whatnot or they're just more independent they need they need us around so much there is that element of what now what next and I'm always conscious of I don't want to get to a certain age where that happens and I have not nurtured relationships what I'm trying to do in my life is reach the point now where I have the time and not wait for retirement or a certain time in my life to arrive and be like oh I've done all this work for this because I've seen so many people do all the work, finally get to that age and then get sick or die or get divorced or whatnot. And I don't want to do that. I want to live my best life now. Mm. You know, I want to enjoy my life now. I want to have the time now and be able to, to do that. Obviously, there's always a level of sacrifice because mm-hmm. especially when you're a parent, you have to parent. But the way I've managed to design my, my work life is that I am in a lucky position now to, you know, not have a nine to five, not have to be in an office from a certain time period to be able to have a little bit of flexibility where I can, you know, work from the gym, for example, I can intertwine my work with my friends. I can intertwine my work with my family as well, you know, so it's nice. And that's something something that I really, really appreciate. As you were talking, I was thinking, is it that men have le- less time? Or is it that they're allocating the time differently when it comes to focusing on friendships, having time for friendships or making friendships? You already mentioned that men tend to do things together rather than having face-to-face time. But is there something else in terms of how men allocate their time or what matters to them that's a factor here? I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is around ideas of what it means to be a man. Those traditional ideas a lot of the time are to be the breadwinner. So I think a lot of men feel that pressure to work. That's changing. It's changing slowly. But I think, you know, men traditionally have been the full-time workers. They've been the one that to go out and, and, and the money and whatnot. And so they spend a lot of time working, dedicating time to that. So in terms of priorities, work, I think for a lot of men, traditionally has been the number one priority in terms of where I spend my time. But also I think just as big is how we express ourselves and how we show vulnerability and openness and a willing to share challenges which men over the years haven't been so good at you know men are a lot less likely to seek help for their challenges for example in in the UK we have the NHS talking therapies where if you have challenges if you need to speak you can call this helpline it's free and get mental health support only one third of those referrals or or calls are for men Mm. But when it comes to the suicide rates in the UK, you know, three out of four suicides are 
are men. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45. So what that tells me is that we are less likely to ring up and seek support. We're more likely to take our own lives. And I think that just shows us that when it comes to how open men can be, how much we reach out for that support, how much we share our challenges. If we're going through a difficult period in our life, do we seek support early from professionals, from friends, from family? We don't really. So I think that there's you know, those two things mixing together. We get this outcome where we don't actually nurture and make time for our friendship groups as much as we can. When I was talking about the activity-based thing, I was reading about male friendships and I'm really interested in male friendships and trying, you know, doing a lot of research about it. There's this idea about shoulder-to-shoulder relationships where a lot of men will do stuff together. So we'll go to see the football, we'll go to play pool, you know, we'll do an activity. And funny enough, when it comes to designing services for men, basing it around activities is a really good idea. <laughs> you know, we did a Dad's Do Hair event last Saturday where we got dad's down and we've got a, a hair workshop facilitator and we learned how to do hair yeah those pictures were really cool <laughs> yeah some of the dads brought their children it was amazing we learned how to do this activity which was obviously you know shared experience it was relevant what was brilliant about that is that it started off as a shoulder to shoulder thing like literally we're standing next to each other you know patting the hair and stuff then afterwards we had a, a reading from our book our, our book dad and turned that into conversations we had a book reading about identity about masculinity about parent roles gender-based parenting roles and then we had a conversation we split people into groups and pairs to go and speak face to face and I think the the shoulder shoulder stuff is all good but making sure we have the face-to-face time as well Mm -hmm. where we talk to each other and men are a lot less likely to be like oh guys let's go for dinner as a friendship group like Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever recently met my male friends and gone for dinner with them right maybe i have but it's not a normal thing that we would plan <laughs> well it's hard for you to think of and i can think of several in the last few months right so. yeah yeah you know normally it'll be doing something let's go and do a class like a spin or a gym or let's go to, to yeah watch the football or let's go to take our kids somewhere you know um but as all, all men going out to dinner we don't generally do that I'm, I'm sure it happens of course it does but it's not a general thing that you maybe see. go for drinks maybe that's more of a stereotype maybe go for drinks maybe go for drinks yeah 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 so yeah I think it's about taking those shoulder to shoulder to face to face so I think all, all those things probably account for you know men being less likely to dedicate time to friendships to be honest and yeah for me it's something that years ago when I realized I was like you know what there's people that I've I've met recently who I really like and get on with I need to make an effort with them you know, friendships as you get older, because you're not in the same school together, you don't see each other every day by just because being you're, you know, in the same college or you're working together, you have to actually make an effort. You actually have to <laughs> ring someone and arrange something. And a lot of men just aren't comfortable doing it. I remember I, I spoke to a guy a couple of months ago, actually, on a panel. And he was saying that he would never call his friend and ask wow. how they are. Wow. He would never call his friend and just ask and have a conversation. Like it's always got to be about planning to do something. Is that a proxy for concern that the way you show care is by reaching out to to ask to do something? Or is that piece missing? I really don't know, to be honest. I think there's something in pride. And sometimes asking for help can be difficult. Even for me, it's only in recent years, 
you know, I'm quite, well, my mum was always saying I'm quite stubborn or whatnot. <laughs> so, so, That's I, how you survive in a Caribbean parent <laughs> household. Yeah. So definitely being younger, I found it difficult to ask for help. And I think there is something we don't want to ask our friends and we don't tell them that we're not doing well because we don't want to take advice because that could be seen as demasculating. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something in that. But I don't know. I don't know what it was. When he said that, I was like, that's interesting because I would call my friends for catch up. Like I do mm-hmm. that. I just be my mates and like, oh, what's going on? Blah. But then when he said that, I thought, that's really interesting. I need to talk to more people and find out, is that the norm? Like, do you, would you not call your friends just to catch up for no reason? Just to say, hi, how are you doing? What's going on? chat about something that's happened that day you know yeah it's interesting I wasn't always aware of my father doing this throughout my life but I did notice in the more recent past maybe in the past 10 years or so in his 50s that he was much more akin to calling friends and just kind of like telling them what's going on with him and finding out how they are and I think part of it was some people started getting sick and needing help and it's obvious if somebody needs help, if they're sick, whereas mental health and that kind of thing is a lot more invisible. So I think that's where some of it came from. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about. In my research, what I found is that there are three necessary elements for friendship. So you talked before about shared experiences, which is one. And then there's mutual caring, which is as it sounds. But then the third one, I think, is what you're alluding to might be missing sometimes is the intimacy piece where you can be vulnerable with each other and you can share things with each other that you wouldn't tell a casual acquaintance. Some psychologists call this malignation and they define it as being a longing that men have to be in brotherhood, in fellowship, in friendship with other men. And there is really that estrangement from being part of an embodied and vulnerable community. What comes up for you? when you hear that yeah so what comes up to me <laughs> funny enough actually I was watching um program I love I love football and I'm really interested in not just the match you know not just the game itself but everything around it like the, the fan culture player well-being sponsorship advertising using football for a social change we do a lot of events with football clubs um and it's so it's so interesting looking at football and I was watching something the other day I think it was with Rio Ferdinand or another player. And they were saying that the, the hardest thing about leaving football was not playing. It was kind of going in every day and seeing your teammates mm. and being in the dressing room, having the laughs, having the dinner after the game, you know, celebrating together. Like that was the main thing that they missed. They missed that. When you leave the game, you, you don't get to, to play professionally and also you're kind of outside of that environment so that all that support all that camaraderie is gone an identity an identity too so it's a big transition and I think with a lot of players they then go and like become coaches or managers to try and be part of that like even mm-hmm. Stephen Gerrard said that he missed the game so much that part of management was getting some of some of that back because you're back in the dressing room you're back with people mm-hmm. you're back in an environment and a lot of players have lived that life since they were young. So just to get to like, you know, relatively young, 37, 38, and then be like all of a sudden that, that's gone. You've got yeah. the second half of your life <laughs> to live essentially. So yeah, I think that there is something in that in terms of we all do need that a little bit. 
in my work now with Music Football Fatherhood, we have a wider community who will come to events and, and whatnot. We also have a small group of people who have been there from 50 years now who help with my strategy or contribute, manage the social media, edit the website, that kind of thing. And it's really nice. And we have a bit of that, even though we're, we're all over the country, we have a WhatsApp group, we meet up every now and again, we'll do things together. We've written a book together. So we'll have that kind of brotherhood and we're all kind of like-minded in terms of our views and how we see the world and how we see parenting and stuff like that. So it's really nice to be part of something, you know, to be part of a movement bigger than yourself, I think is key. And I think it's what we all need really, isn't it? Like, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about around the world, different cultural norms. And I think for the good things that comes of being in London, one of the negatives is it's very individual. And it's very kind of money, profit, convenience driven, which don't get me wrong, can be good in sometimes. <laughs> you know, I can order a delivery now and 15 minutes later, there'll be a, a patty and jerk chicken at my door. <laughs> okay, don't and, make me jealous because I can't get that here. <laughs> yeah, I have some good coastal, some planting, like that could be here. It's 12, 15, 17, by 12, 40, it could be at my door, you know. And it's great. There's some benefits, but... It is a very lonely city. It's a very lonely place to be. And you could easily walk around, be surrounded by thousands of people in Piccadilly Circle, or Trafalgar Square, and be completely on your own. You know, and I think in other countries where they don't have that, but they have a lot more community and people know their neighbours and they have time to stop and talk. So, yeah, I think it's, it's important. We all need that. I think it's something that we all need. We all need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Like a lot of the time... You think about life and you think about why are we here? Every now and again, I'm sure we all do. <laughs> but you just think, what, what is this all about? Like, what, what, what is it really all about? Like, why am I here? Why am I the person I am? Why do I do the things I do? You know, maybe it's not always good to think that deep because it can go drive yourself crazy sometimes. But I do reflect sometimes. Like, what, what is it? Why was I born? Why is I here? Why do I think the way I think? Why do different people get different cards dealt to them. It's very interesting. And part of kind of coming to terms with those questions is being part of something else. It's <laughs> being part of a team, a group, uh, a movement that gives us a sense of belonging, a sense of understanding. It helps us answer those questions for us in terms of purpose. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. We need community and that friendship, that intimacy around us. Yeah, some people find this in religion, I guess, and mm -hmm. uh, that can be both affirming and welcoming for people mm -hmm. and isolating for others. I think it's interesting to think about what answers you come to for yourself, what choices you make for yourself, because often that's what it comes down to. It comes to choice because there are elements that are unknowable, but mm -hmm. we either have faith or we choose to make certain decisions based on our beliefs or based on our hopes of the purpose of the world and where the world is headed and our role in it. So you built Music Football Fatherhood. What is it? And who is it for? Because if somebody goes to your website, then we can see that there are lots of events that happen, that there is a blog, mm -hmm. that there is different types of support. So Yeah, so MFF is predominantly for, for dads who want to think and reflect on fatherhood 
that may be from the lens of identity and their role as a dad and what that means in their household. That might mean from a perspective of mental health and challenges around postnatal depression or PTSD. It could mean from a place of race and how race and culture plays a part in parenting. It could be from a position of loss, a miscarriage and stillbirth. So it's generally for dads who, who want to reflect and learn and speak and read and listen to other people who are also in that same space. We are all about open conversations, open conversations around fatherhood. And we do that through content and community. So then the content in our blog, our podcast or our, our book and community. And so I should say content for our documentary and our stuff, our social media um, and community events through our online sessions called The Lodge and our community partnerships with football clubs called Extra Time. So we do loads of really interesting content and community. And I think for us, it's about going underneath. It's about having the vulnerable conversations. Earlier when we said that sometimes people can't reach out to their friends for certain things, I hope people can come to us and see us as a place where you can engage, talk, listen, learn, either up close or from afar and have that conversation maybe you can't have with your friends. It's been running for um, six years now, I think. And that journey I was talking about, I've definitely gone through that, you know, gone through that journey of launching New Year's Day 2016. There was no plan when I launched, you know, I was experiencing my own mental health challenges from the birth of my daughter, which, you know, she was very sick. We spent time in ICU. My wife was ill as well. I was definitely going through the challenging part of my life, the most challenging part, 100%. And feeling like I needed an outlet. So I started writing and blogging. And then over the years that developed and that changed and evolved. I personally have become more open and in touch with who I am and more open with being vulnerable in public. And I think the dads that are with us have gone on that journey as well. So over the years, we've definitely now got to a place of, of being comfortable with the vulnerability. And I think that is really shown in our book, to be honest, our book, which was published last year. So in your music, football, fatherhood activities, what does it look like? Do people tend to come more than once? Are people members? Like, how does it work in terms of participation in this peer group, in this community? Yeah, so it's very natural and informal. We don't have a formal membership. You know, it's, it, our activities are free. What I've learned is that people engage in different ways. So some people want to engage from afar. So normally just consuming content you know I bought your book and this is what it meant for me mm. or I read the blog and this is what I meant or I watched a documentary and this is what it meant you know and this is how I'm applying it to my life they'll, they'll always follow and always comment every now and again or you'll speak to them every now and again but they're not actively engaging that's fine some people they don't need that like they take what they need from things other people want to be more involved they see MFF as part of their friendship community if you like. So they will come to all our events. They will come to the lodge online every month and share. And, you know, you get to know them on a quite personal level, sometimes become friends and people get to know each other and they end up doing stuff together because they met throughout our online community or, you know, they take part in our Instagram lives and they take part in that series of sessions and then you get to know people from there. So 
or they come to our face-to-face events. They come to Dance Do Hair, they come to Extra Time and they see it as a part of their social calendar, if you like. So for us, there's no formal requirement, there's no payment. And I see myself and MFF as kind of like outside of the traditional structures. And what I think is really interesting is when it comes to change, there's a place for lots of different community organizations and different governance structures. So we are not a charity. We are a social enterprise, but a limited company. So many people have said, why don't you become a charity or blah, blah, blah. And for me, I find when you put that governance around it and you have that accountability in terms of trustees and you're taking funding, you have to do things in a certain way, which often slows down the process. You lose your autonomy and your flow to some extent. Yeah. You can't just decide to do something and do it. Like literally, we can say, do you know what? Next week, we're going to hold this event and we're going to do it this way. And there's no one to approve that there's no one to answer to nothing do you know what i mean we can say we can do what we want obviously within reason we don't want to be inappropriate <laughs> you're responsible reason, yeah exactly there's no accountability apart from the moral accountability that we have so. yeah i think being parts of these types of organizations or being parts of clubs or activities like the ones hosted by mff can be very rewarding when i talk to male friends they may say oh um, I I want more friends, but all my friends do is meet and drink. I don't really know where to find people who want to do things that I want to do. That comes up sometimes. Mm -hmm. The other thing that comes up is that people will say, oh, I feel a bit isolated. Maybe I just got divorced or maybe I moved and I need to make friends. So I'm going to join this activity. I'll join Mm -hmm. this gym to make friends or I'll join this group to make friends. And the thing is, as you were saying, a lot of those activities revolve around something specific, like they revolve around going to an improv club once a week and that kind of thing. I'm not really sure how much time there is for intimacy. If you're going to an event where people are just watching something together, but not necessarily talking. So I do think that having peer groups, whether they be online or in person and activities around that can fill in some of that space where men may feel, where anybody really, but we're talking about men in particular today, may feel alienated or isolated. Yeah, definitely. For me, say for example, when we do extra time events, like the Brentford one, I love football. So I get to go and do a stadium tour at a, sta- at a Premier League <laughs> club and then, you know, get to the trophy cabinet and maybe meet the players and whatnot. <laughs> And this is my work and I'm with my friends <laughs> or people that I don't know, but they're going to become friends or just people that I chat to that are like-minded, you know? Yes. And that is so cool. It's so cool. So yeah, sometimes people have gone through a breakup or just difficulties or you change as you get older as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many people that I may not speak to anymore from my childhood. It's not that we've fallen out or anything which just fundamentally changes people like what I enjoy doing now and the way I think is different to them not better or worse just different so we wouldn't necessarily have much to talk about to be honest I think having a good friend having a close friend is kind of the gold standard but there's a lot of research on mental health that shows that acquaintances and just having people that you could speak to on some basis or just even rub shoulders with or be shoulder to shoulder with are also very helpful for mental health so I don't want people to get stuck on being like, okay, I need more friends in my life. I have to make friends. Yes. And also some of it is getting out of isolation, which could mean 
even acquaintances and people that you can talk to on some basis. Yeah, definitely. Your book is called Dad, Untold Stories of Fatherhood, Love, Mental Health, and Masculinity, which is the story of 20 fathers who share vulnerably their stories. There's also the podcast, Dad. People can go to your website. The address is musicfootballfatherhood.com. And all of those links will be in the show notes for people to connect. Before we end, I would like to give you the opportunity to share an invitation for listeners. So if they're a man or if they're friends, sister, mother of a man, do you have an invitation or a challenge for us? So the obvious one would be like, go and buy our book. (laughs) But I'm not going to say that. (laughs) I think it might be a bit broad. At the very beginning, we spoke about that pie chart and we spoke about how we are spending our time and what we are nurturing. And so I'm going to do that at some point this weekend. So my recommendation, ask my challenge to everyone would be to do the same, to think about the different areas of life. For me, it's definitely relationships, it's family, children if you have them, it's work and business, it's health and fitness, it's friendships and hobbies, and it's life admin. Can't forget life admin, that's in there as well. I hate it, but you have to do it. And think about what is really the the balance between the two, what's the split, and is that split going to get you where you want to be in the long term? Is it serving where you want to be in five years or next year? And what needs to adjust? What do you need to do less or more of? For me, it's a constant. It's a constant. You know, my wife said I should do a workaholic test a few years ago. And I did one. It came up as I was a mild workaholic, maybe like 2017 or something like that. And I was like, wow, I didn't think that. But yeah, that's what it said. And so for me personally, it's about working a little bit less, if I'm completely honest, and doing more health and fitness, which I've been doing recently. I would say that's my main thing. But I think, yeah, it's important for us to do it, especially based on the conversation we've had around, you know, male friendships, around the ideas about masculinity, about work, about, you know, those kind of things and making sure that we do have, and we have factoring in into our week time to do stuff. And sometimes the sacrifice can feel too great. But what I've really learned is life, hopefully, will be long. And we're trying to prepare for the future. Living our best life now, but try to prepare for the future. And for me, that means health and fitness is what's going to ensure that I'm able to do this work in five years rather than just doing more work now, which might get some success and outcomes. It's about, yeah, do that. Also having an eye on the long game, like with friendship groups as well, you know, making sure you're maintaining your friendship group. So in 10 years, when it goes off to university or whatever, I'm just not left here on my own <laughs> and I have, I have people that I've grown with and that attachment and bond and I'm not starting to try and re- rekindle or start from scratch so yeah I think that would be my thing that would be my thing like I'm sure there's a, uh, a template somewhere on the internet <laughs> uh, I'll have a look for one but yeah that, that would be my ask and my challenge for people wonderful thank you very much Elliot nice. thanks a lot it's been great Thank you for listening to this episode. If you think it could be helpful to someone else, please share it with them. And if you've enjoyed this episode or found it helpful, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can reach me at contact at changesbigandsmall.com. Remember, change begins with one small step. Have a great week.